Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Um, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to go to the Old Testament book of Daniel. We've been there for the past several weeks and on that theme of what it truly means just to thrive in an environment that, Lord, for the most part, is becoming greatly hostile um, to the Word of God, to God Himself, and to us as, as followers of Jesus Christ. And so and as we make our way through this world um, um, that at times, sometimes it's just bizarre, we have to hold on to something that is beyond ourselves. And this morning, I want to talk to you about hope. And hope is a, a, is a human condition that determines the quality of your life. Let me say that one more time. Hope is a human condition that determines the quality of your life. A person who has no hope at all, more than likely, um, does not see any enjoyment in life. They have no sense of direction. And they have no sense to what, what meaning their life is all about. When hope becomes a daily reality, we believe that our life has purpose. Our very existence has purpose. And that, and that purpose is found in a sovereign God and his control over life. We believe with great hope that God is in control. And through his good hands, he allows sometimes good and sometimes bad to come into our life. But it's all because there is a purpose behind our life. Last week, uh, last, last week yesterday, I was at a wedding. Uh, and it was just a, a beautiful thing to, uh, to see uh, two young people come together and, and just be in, in awe of what God has done in their life leading up to their, to their marriage. And uh, one of the things that they spoke about was the fact that, that they knew that each was for one another. When they first met each other, they knew um, that this was the person that they were going to marry. Even though they didn't say that to one another at the time, and even though they knew at different stages when that was going to happen, they believe in their heart in the very beginning stages of that romance that they were destined to be married. Now, <clears throat> way back two years ago when they started dating, they had no idea when the date, was gonna, when the date of the wedding was going to take place. They had no idea what the venue was going to be. They had no idea who was going to uh, be officiating their wedding. They had no idea who was going to show up. But they knew in their heart that that day was ahead of them. And that is a great illustration of what hope is. For you see, the, the scriptures tell us that this is what hope is. Hope is the expectation that good is going to come to us in the future. Hope is living with that great expectation that God's goodness is going to come in our life by his will. Now, hope is grounded in faith. You can, you, can, <clears throat> you can have faith without hope, but you can't have hope without faith. And so hope is grounded in the faith and in, in the goodness of God, that he will always come through, that God will always keep his promises to you and I. God is the one who wants us to have hope in our life. And we're going to look at a scripture later on that, that tells us that. God wants you and I 
to live with hope. God wants you and I to live with this great expectation that he is always at work, that he will unravel the complicated in our life, that he will provide the answers when no answer seems to be prevalent, that God is a God who wants us to, to dream big dreams. God wants us to live with great expectation in our life, and that great expectation comes with assurance and with a confidence that God is one that we can fully put our trust in at all times. This morning, I'm wondering, what are you pondering about with great hope in your life? What, what are you pondering about with great hope regarding your marriage? What are you pondering with great hope in regards to your children? What, what great expectations lie within the recesses of your heart about certain aspects of your life. You see, hope is just not wishful thinking. It is a strong, a strong belief that God's goodness is coming our way. We are encouraged to live a life of hope by, by looking at Scripture, but especially by looking at the men and women that God encountered in their lives. For the most part, when you look from from the Old Testament to the New Testament, men and women that followed God, that knew God, also had hope in their heart. Most of that hope was, was relegated to the fact that God was going to make a way for them, not only on this earth, but for life eternal. And I can tell you that there's no other person really that stands out in my mind when it comes to hope than, than Daniel. As we talked about last week, Daniel shows up in, in chapter 1 of Daniel, and he's 15 years old. And, and he had some giant killers in his life. He had some dream killers in his life. He had some hope killers come up and at an early stage in his life. At the age of 15, he was uprooted, uprooted violently from his home. He never saw his parents again. He never saw his home ever again. He was sent off into into, into slavery, into exile, into Babylon. At 15, all the hopes and dreams that he had carried in his heart regarding his future pretty much were, were, were never to be fulfilled. He saw a lot of trauma at 15. Saw a lot of death, a lot of, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of desperation. But when we see him in Daniel chapter 1, when he, when he kind of firmly plants his feet in the midst of Babylon... We see a young man filled still with great hope, with great expectation that God was with him and the goodness of God was going to follow him. And so in Daniel chapter 2, and that's where we're at this morning, in Daniel chapter 2, he comes across a situation in his life that is beyond him. In fact, his life was on the line. And because his life was on the line, he only had one person that he knew that he could go to to help him in this great mystery, to help him in this great situation he found himself, and that was God himself. So in Daniel chapter 2, this is what kind of unfolds, that King Nebuchadnezzar has a series of dreams. And these dreams cause him to be greatly anxious. So he calls all the magicians and all the sorcerers and all the wise men um, to uh, come to him and tell him what were these dreams all about? Were all about. One thing that Nebuchadnezzar didn't do was he didn't tell the, the these sorcerers and magicians and wise men 
uh, what the dreams were. He wanted them just to know it. If they were, if they were truly who they were, said they were, they would know what his dreams were, and they would give the interpretation of his dream. Well, no one could figure that out. They wanted him to give them hints, and he refused to give them any hints. And so when he refused to give them any hints and they couldn't come up with the answer, the Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what? You guys are all a bunch of charlatans and I'm putting out an order to kill all of you. So an order went out to, to kill every single uh, magician and sorcerer and wise man in, in, the, in the nation of Babylon. And so the order went out and, and the fanned out and these guys, these hitmen were fanned out throughout all the, all the province. And Daniel wasn't there. Daniel wasn't summoned before King Nebuchadnezzar. So he's at home, unaware of what's about to take place. And the hitman rings his doorbell. And the, and the guy tells him what he's there for. He, I'm here to, to take your life at the word of the, of the king. Why is that? Because he has a dream and no one knows how to interpret the dream. And, and Daniel in that moment convinced the hitman to put his sword away. Let's think about this. Take me to the king. I know I can help the king. And so he convinces the, 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 the hitman to take him to the king, goes before Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and tells him that he believes that he can interpret this dream. And that's where we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 2, verse 16. And it says, And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companion might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. So just a side note about dreams. I believe that God still speaks to us in dreams and visions. I believe that ever since 1994, when I had this strange event take place in my life, um, in which it, it was one of the most awesome things that have taken place in my life, but the most bizarre thing as well. In 1994, I found myself preaching at a church in, in, in Zimbabwe, in the city of Harare, and we, they had experienced tremendous revival. And so that entire month, we were every single night, we were preaching to to hundreds of people, and we were seeing hundreds upon hundreds of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And one night, um, one of my teammates, uh, he just so happened to fall sick, and so at the last second, um, they asked me to fill in for him. And so I was scrambling uh, for a message, you know. So I was thumbing through my notes like we kind of do to determine God's will, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and it looks like that's going to be the verse tonight. And so I had chosen Isaiah chapter 61 to preach from. And so there, unbeknownst to me that there was a man there um, that needed to hear Isaiah 61. And so I was preaching that night, and at the very end, I gave an invitation, and people came forward, and this man also came forward, and he grabbed a hold of me, and he said this. He said, I came here tonight just to scoff at what was taking place. But something happened to me tonight that I realized that, that this God that you were preaching about is true, and I want to give my life to Jesus. And this is what had happened to him. For six months prior, leading up to the night before I was preaching, he had a, had, a, had a reoccurring dream every single night for six months. And for those six months, this is what his dream was, complete darkness. In the midst of that darkness, there was a voice that, that called out to him. And this voice was, 
was repeating the same thing over and over again. He said, I had no idea what this, what this meant. And I asked people around me, what do you think this, this dream went? I, I went to witch, witch doctors and I asked them, what does this dream mean? And none of them had any answers for me. But tonight, when I, when I heard you speak and when I heard you read from Scripture, I knew exactly what that man, what that voice was saying to me. And so what he was hearing in his dream for six months straight, every single night, the same reoccurring dream, was the words of Isaiah 61. And so when he heard Isaiah 61 being read from the pulpit and, and, it, and it synchronized with the, the, the voice in his dreams, he knew that there was a God who was calling him uh, to salvation. So this is exactly what, what, what God was doing in Daniel's time. He was awakening the soul of Nebuchadnezzar through this dream. And so just like, just like this man in Zimbabwe, God is, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel too, God is always at work and he will use whatever means possible to grab our attention if that means to glorify him and, and to bring us to salvation. So in Daniel 2, we see Daniel's faith, his boldness of faith when, when he goes to um, the king and he approaches the king with the fact that I can do this for you. But we also see Daniel's hope being put into action when he goes back and, to his home and he gathers his friends around him and they say, we have got to seek God in this moment. Daniel knew that the, that the, the answer to the situation before him what would reverse this, this death march that he was about to, be, about to take place could only come if God would come through for them. And I love this very fact about Daniel because this is what it shows us about hope. When you live a life of hope, you believe that God is in control. And there's nothing that we can see in this passage that tells us that Daniel was just going crazy, right? There was no, there's no time for panic in, in Daniel's heart. He just knew this. I can interpret the dream, but in order for me to interpret the dream, I need God to give me that interpretation. And the only way we can, we can determine this interpretation is if we seek God's face. So let us pray. So one of the things I love about us praying as a, as a, as a church family is that when we come together and we pray together, we are declaring that we are without, not without hope. We have tremendous hope and we turn our hearts to God and we say, God, there are times in our life that we are in places of desperation, but we turn our hearts to you and hope. We raise our voices to you and hope, believing that you hear our cries and that you will come through for us. So Daniel had no idea when he woke up that morning and maybe he woke up that morning, he kind of took a look at the Babylonian bee over a cup of hot coffee not knowing that his life was about to be put on the line later on that day. But we do know this. He lived in tremendous confidence that God was always in control. And, and so we, we see the same continuum in Daniel's life that we have in our lives, that trials and situations oftentimes catch us off guard. But it's how we react to those moments that declare whether or not we are people who live in hope or hopelessness. You see, hope shines the brightest in the midst of the greatest darkness of our trial. Hope believes that nothing is too great for our God. Hope believes that God has the last say 
in everything. And when we place our, our hope in God, we are maneuvering our hearts away from the temptation to give up, to say, I will hold fast until God comes through for me. How do you know if, if hope is at work in your life? You know that hope is at work in your life when you believe with great expectation that God will work out his good and he causes all things to work out for our good according to his will. That's how you know that, that hope is alive and active in your life. Romans, um, Daniel, well, Daniel says, this. He, he goes before God. He petitions God for prayer. I believe by, by looking at the scripture, it was he went that night to God and he, they cried out to God for help. He cried out to God to provide that, that interpretation. And that night, this is what God did in verses, uh, uh, I believe, 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven And Daniel answered and said this. I I love this. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He, He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what it is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise For you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. He he turns immediately um, to praising God. And in this praise to God, he's declaring God's sovereignty. In In his praise to God, he's declaring that God's goodness showed up at the right moment. That in God's goodness, he had the answer to what was most concerning to him in his life. And I, I tell you what, this, this, this is remarkable when he speaks, I believe, in, in verses um, 22. He says, and he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. That's hope right there. When we cannot see the end results, when we cannot see the finish line, when we cannot see and determine how these things in our life are going to work out. God sees the darkness. And to him, there's no such thing as a cloudy forecast. In him, he sees everything perfectly as it is. And we can trust God in our most desperate situations. We can trust God in the most darkest nights of the soul. God will always come through for us. And he wants you and I to have 100% confidence that he is a God who is able to take care of us. That we have to have 100% confidence that he will always show up at just the right time. That he desires for us to trust him even in those circumstances that are beyond our imagination. How in the world is God going to do this? And he asks us, he invites us to test him in this arena of our life. And so when we go through this, these times with great hope in our hearts, it does something within us. We become people who are optimistic. We become, become people that are, are filled with, with tremendous joy, knowing that God has us exactly where he wants us to have us. 
That doesn't mean that he's going to lift every trial and, 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 and tribulation out of our lives. Sometimes our trials and tribulations will, will lead to our death, but even in that, we still have hope in the great promise of eternal life. But how do you live your life today? Are you living with that great expectation or, or is there, has there been a drift in your heart in regarding the hope that only can come through God himself? Look at what Romans 15, 13 says. This is the God that we serve. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in, what? in believing, in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There it is. The name of our God is hope. He's, he has hope and, and, and he wants us to be a God of hope and, and through that hope to bring that peace, that peace that passes all understanding, knowing that God has it all worked out for us. So walk with great joy. Walk with great determination. Walk with this great feeling in your heart that God has it all under control. Lastly, I want to share with you also that hope always has an eternal perspective to it. There's something about hoping in God that goes far, far beyond this moment, far beyond the days ordained for our lives. Like I said in, in, in the book of Daniel, we see in Daniel 1, he's 15 years old. And we, see, we, we watch this 15-year-old grow up through his teenage years um, to becoming a man, a man who served four um, ungodly kings. Um, and he, we see how Daniel was put in some dangerous situations. This was not the only time that his life was on the line. We, we see him being thrown in the lion's den um, for standing for, tr- for truth. And so he never escaped this life uh, of, of difficulty. His life was always this constant trial after trial after trial. And we see something very remarkable. We see this young man who is unbending in his faith and in his hope that God was with him and that God would come through for him. We see, we see series of, of prophetic dreams that he has. And these prophetic dreams we know through history have all come to pass. And in chapter 10 of Daniel, chapter 10 and chapter 11, chapter 12, he has a final a final uh, vision that is so uh, ferocious, so awesome um, that he had to have help um, from some angelic hosts to come and, 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 and help him because he needed God to respond to him. Well, God gave him this vision of what the end times was going to be like. God gave him a vision for the coming Messiah and, and his resurrection. And, so, and this was so awesome for Daniel, he couldn't make sense of it all. And in chapter 12, uh, the angel who, who is speaking to, uh, to Daniel about these great, great uh, uh, visions basically said, Daniel, this is all that you need to know in this moment. These things are far beyond your understanding, but these are events that take place, you know, years and decades and centuries down the road. All you must do is continue to have hope in God's resurrection for your life. And look what he says in in Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. And we have to understand this. By this time in Daniel 12, he's no longer 15 years old. He's around 85 to 90 years old. So he's at a point of death. And the, and the angel basically said, listen, you, you've done everything you can possibly do. You've served God faithfully. You've been true 
um, as a man. You've been a man of great integrity. Um, you've done everything that God has asked you to do. Now this is what you must, this is what's next for you. In verse 13, he says this. I've lost my way. Oh, there it is. But go, but go the way to the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the day. So that's what it is. He basically says this, Dan, your life is coming to an end. But your life on this earth may be coming to an end, but that is not the end to your life. For there is a t- eternal life waiting for you in the resurrection. Now for Daniel, um, he believed in the resurrection from the dead. He believed that every righteous person would, would go to heaven when they die. And that righteousness was placed in their trust that God's promises would come through for him. And, and Daniel's uh, faith and Daniel's trust in that moment of eternity was not based on any, any works of his, but it was based on this. He put his full trust and faith in God's word. He was, he was just like Abraham, that God credited him righteousness because of his faith and what God had commanded him to do. The same thing with Moses, the same thing with David, the same thing with all these great characters in, in the scripture. They placed their hope in God's promises. And just like Job, and, and he, I'm, sure, I'm sure Daniel knew of Job's word, words where Job says, I believe that I have a redeemer and I shall see him one day standing on this earth and I shall behold him face to face. Daniel's hope was in a coming Messiah. Daniel's hope was, was a coming Messiah that would rescue not only him, but his people. And we know through scripture that that coming Messiah was Jesus himself. And so we, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, he has become our hope. And our hope is in his resurrection. You see, we have a resurrection because of Christ's resurrection. And Christ's resurrection came while he went to the cross as a sinless man, taken upon our sins upon him on that cross, right, to set us free, to restore to us a right relationship with God. And because he has done so, we too will have eternal life. We too have this hope that goes beyond this earth. When our eyes close in death on this side of eternity, our eyes will open to the wonderment for all of eternity, all that God has for us. There is some delayed goodness of God. God's delayed goodness is that he has great riches and treasures in store for us who have faith in Jesus Christ. And these stored up treasures are not things that we will accumulate on this earth, but they are stored up for us in heaven, for us to enjoy for all of eternity. That is why we are people of hope, that we live with this hope, this great expectation that God will always come through and God will come through for us at the moment of our death. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And that is why we, as God's people, we can grieve over death. We can grieve over personal loss, whether it be with family or friends. That's why we can grieve when we hear of great destruction around us, where people um, um, die because of, of great tragedies. But we also know this, we can grieve in those moments, but we don't grieve without any hope. We grieve believing that God has redeemed us through Jesus Christ. And because of his resurrection, he is forever our living 1 Peter 
Chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Like Daniel, we can have that same hope. Hope in Jesus. And this morning, if you've come here this morning, if you're listening to us online, or be watching us later on in the week on a video podcast, let me ask this question. Do you live with the hope that Jesus is your Savior? Do you look forward to eternity because you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has you and God has rescued you from your own sin through faith in Jesus Christ? This morning, if you are with us and you live without hope, if you live without a direction in your life, if you've been living your life um, with great uncertainty, let me invite you to, to taste and see that God is good. Let me invite you to, to give your life and to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. This is, this is what I, I love about Jesus. Jesus says, you come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are burdened by life, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's the invitation for you who may be living in hopelessness. That God wants to take you from where you're at and he wants to instill with you his great purpose, his great love, and his great ability to do the unbelievable in your life. For you who are in this room today or listening uh, online and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, has there been anything that has come across your life that has robbed you of this great hope? Is there any trial that you're facing that is so long elongated and it has just taken out your, your ability just to, to continue on. Maybe that hopelessness has creeped in and, and doubt surrounds your heart. Maybe you've come to a place in your life where you're, you're almost on, on the verge of becoming very cynical about things of faith because the thing you're, you're experiencing is, is never relenting. It's just one thing after another thing after another thing. And you begin to doubt in the very goodness of God. I would just encourage you today, um, believer, if, that, if that's you, there is a way back from hopelessness to hope. And that is just to turn your heart back to him and once again say, God, I trust you. Even to the point where I just don't know if I can go on any further, I just trust that you have my good in mind. For those of us who are living in the verge of, of hopelessness this morning, I encourage you to come back, to come back to faith, come back to where Jesus is the center of your life, to come back to the very fact that Jesus loves you deeply and you believe that in your heart and you believe that he, because he loves you deeply, he can do the unimaginable in your life. Live with confident expectation that God is good all the time. That is hope. Live in hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for your word through the word spoken through worship, your word spoken through um, your living word, the scriptures. And Lord, today I, I ask that God, that you would begin to move mightily in our lives in, the, in regards to those things that... Uh, Press upon our heart. Lord, today in this room and online, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that uh, 
face insurmountable challenges in their life. That, Lord, that they would turn to you and, 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 and by turning to you in hope, that they would not give up, that they would press forward in their life, that they would, that they would live lives of great perseverance, believing that perseverance develops hope. Father, today, for those that are far from God, that, that may have run from God all their lives or may live, God, with uh, um, an unrelenting um, desperation, Lord, today, I pray that they would turn to you in repentance of their sin and claim you as Lord and Savior today. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.